1: It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you
3: did On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. 17-14 is the final. One touchdown, we are world champions. Believe it, and it will
2: happen. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go
3: on there like a bunch of crazy dogs
2: have some fun. Welcome to Wednesday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live here on Giants.com as well as the mobile app. He's Paul DeTino. I'm Lance Meadow with you for the next 60 minutes and multiple ways to interact with us here on the program. You give us a ring, 201-939-4513. You can also find us on Twitter, hashtag GiantsChat. And as a reminder, you can find the archive of this show and our entire podcast network on the Giants mobile app, podcast platforms everywhere, and at Giants.com slash podcast. So we are in the heart of the NFL offseason. We have the Combine next week, but probably the biggest news of note is the fact that the franchise tag window started yesterday? It's going to go all the way through March 7th. And that means that teams have an opportunity. Teams can only use one tag per year. So you either use the franchise tag, the transition tag, whether it's being non exclusive or exclusive, makes no difference. Only one allowed per team. And they're going to have to determine right now whether or not they want to assign that to a specific player. What happens more often than not, Paul, and we were even talking about this off the air, the window. You get about two, three weeks, right, for the franchise tag window, Mm -hmm. but it's very unlikely that somebody will be tagged prior to the deadline because they pretty much wait for the 11th hour. They want to avoid the tag at all costs. So it would be a surprising development in the next few days if we hear anyone is actually tagged because – that means that maybe they just pretty much put an ultimatum down and said, hey, there's no way that we're going to come to grips with a long-term extension.
4: First of all, it is so great to be back. It is indeed, yes. I mean, holy smokes, I was banging my head off the ceiling. I could not wait to get back on this show this week. Folks, we were off last week. You know the production staff was shut down. It made me nuts to be sitting at home yeah, I was doing film work and combine work and all that other stuff, but it made me nuts not to be back out here talking to you and talking to these great fans. So it is so wonderful to be back. Number two. Yes. A distant number two. Yes, a distant number two. Because let's face it, the games are the best part of the season. The off season is a miserable soap opera. It's a miserable <laughs> wreck of stress. It moves. and up. And BS and all kinds of garbage and smoke. Uh, the tag is nothing more than a function to achieve a deal. And any time that you're talking about something that is going to effectively result in a deal, you're going to be a procrastinator because all deals come down to we'll get it done later. Deadlines make deals. Exactly. So, yeah, March 7th is the deadline at 4 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time to tag somebody, things are going to go down to the wire for anybody. And then here's the other part that so many people keep forgetting about. You could tag a player, and all that does is elongate the procrastination so that you have more time to negotiate your deal. That's all it really does. There are occasions where a deal doesn't get done, and either the team will rescind the franchise tag and let the player go, or the player is just going to be eventually forced to sign the tag because he doesn't want to sit out for a season and he so badly wants to play, he'll just take the tag number and move on. With well, it's guaranteed money. So. Exactly. <laughs> you might as well. So, you know, the truth of the matter is, right now, the, the sauce is not cooking on the stove. There's really not a lot happening right now. It's, it is a slow, slow dead period. We haven't even turned the flame up.
2: On that stove. To use the food analogy and continue it. No, I am glad, though, that you brought up the fact that once the tag is placed on a player, assuming it's not rescinded, then they do have until mid-July to work out a long-term Correct. extension. So you could have months go by, and then we just wait for another deadline to come by to determine whether or not there's going to be a long-term deal. But you know
4: everybody's impatient, Lance. Of course. That, yeah. I mean, the, the writers... Uh, They want to fuel the fire because they need the clicks and they need the attention. And, of course, the fans are hungry for something to happen, and they're all impatient. And so what do we have? We have a flurry of soap opera headlines on the first day of the tag because everybody is literally chomping at the bit to have some final result arrive. And it's not going to happen. There's no final result happening in the next five minutes, ten minutes, or whatever the case may be. It's going to be a while for anything to happen because that's the natural course of events. Well, to your point,
2: the NFL offseason is fueled on speculation, is it not? Right? I mean, that's what fills up the tank. So, until something definitive happens, that's all we're left to. But, as it pertains to the Giants... The top candidates to perhaps be tagged would probably be Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley. Now, the franchise tag numbers have been publicly made $32 million just over that for the quarterback, just over $10 million for the running back. Those yeah. are the numbers this year. And the Giants will have to make a decision what they ultimately want to do. I think most teams will tell you they don't want to have a player play on the tag unless they're just – in the middle ground where they're indecisive as to whether or not that player showed them enough, right? Then I would say there is a positive, Paul, because then you know you have a player locked in for a year. You don't have to worry about negotiating beyond that. And you say, okay, let's go back another time around the calendar. Let's Mm -hmm. see what the player could do. And then we'll determine whether or not we actually want to lock him up long-term. So if that's where you stand as a franchise, the franchise tag is a positive. But if you really like the player and you want him beyond the year, at all costs, clearly you want to avoid having to utilize one of these tags because what it is is it's delaying the inevitable, right? A year from now, you're going to have to go through the same old rodeo and you're going to have to determine, all right, do we place the tag on the player? Do we move forward with a long-term deal? Remember, you can give a player the tag three years in a row. We rarely see that because the numbers are astronomical by the time you get to the second or the third year. But if you want to play that game, The NFL is not going to stand in your way. You could tag a guy for three straight years without even exploring. Kirk cousins
4: invited it.
2: Correct, because it's guaranteed money. From the (laughs) player's perspective, (laughs) oh, you want to guarantee me money and it continues to go up with the average salary of the top five guys at my position or 120% of that number that I made last year? Sure, absolutely. I'll sign up for
4: that. Yeah, you know, I, I think the interesting part for the Giants here, and let me make something very clear, folks. It is better for the Giants because of the tag number being so high for a quarterback in comparison to a running back. It's better for the Giants if they reach a new agreement with Daniel Jones and then can tag Barkley. That, that's the best scenario the Giants could have tag-wise. But it's entirely possible that they could work it the other way. Yeah. They could, in fact, it's within their scope and within their numbers and within their capabilities to make a deal with Barkley first if it turns out that way. And then wind up tagging Daniel Jones. It's it's not the preferred. Okay, let's make that very clear. They're better off if they sign Jones first and then use the tag as leverage on Barkley. But it can work the other way, and the Giants still have enough room, and they've still got enough of deals that they can manipulate that they could get what they need to get done if it went the other way. So let's make that very clear. That's why, folks... For, for all of you out there who are, are in this panic about, well, are these two guys going to come back? I'm not moving off of what I've been saying since October. The Giants are going to have Barkley and Jones opening day, September 2023. The odds of, of that not happening are probably not even 1% different than they were four or five months ago. They're really not.
2: No, nothing's dramatically changed. I mean, let's face it, nobody's tested the market at this point, so there's no reason to believe that anything has changed from that standpoint. I think another way to look at it, what you were talking about, the pros and cons of who you give the tag to, if you had to explore Mm -hmm. that, you could also say, well, who are you farthest away from meeting that middle ground with, right? And then you use the tag on that player. So, for example, and this is just a hypothetical, if you've been talking with representatives for both players and – You're within two to three million of Barkley's number, but you're a little bit further away from Daniel Jones. You may then say, all right, we're going to tag Daniel Jones because Mm -hmm. we feel a lot better about getting a deal done with Saquon because there's not a lot of mountains to move.
4: Right. It gives you more time to deal with Jones. The only issue there is that it ties up that money in sure. escrow because it's against your cap and it just means you won't have all the flexibility you'd like to have until you get that tag out of the way and get the new deal done. Sure. So there is, there is a little bit of a squeeze involved, but it's not like it, these guys are going to be forced into a spot where they've got to cut bait and they've got to let either guy go. No, and that's why you have conversations, Paul, in the
2: offseason, right? You have to plan for, okay, how do we construct free agency if we tag Daniel Jones? How do we construct Mm -hmm. free agency if we tag Saquon Barkley? And you have the number, right, to operate with. It's not like you're playing a guessing game. Okay, how much wiggle room do we have if we do this with DJ versus Barkley? I think you go through those hypothetical scenarios. So to your point, I don't think anything would catch them drastically off guard. The other way to look at it, too, is – and this is, once again, just a hypothetical road – if you did get a long-term deal done with one of these two individuals, it's possible the average annual salary is going to be higher than what the tag is anyway. So meaning the number that you have on the tag could be a lower placeholder, my point is, mm-hmm. in terms of what it ultimately turns out to be if you go down the road of a long-term extension.
4: Yeah, that, that's more likely to happen uh, with Barkley than it would with Jones, I think.
2: Well, it's possible, that, but it could you know, the go. Quarterback the other way. could make more money, yeah, average annual you salary, know, especially I, with the I, way it's been moving.
4: I, I personally believe that, you know, when you look at the structure of these deals and everybody knows how they work, in the first two years, maybe three years, there is a much lower number and then there's a tremendous boost on the back end of the contract. Because you're anticipating the cap is gonna go up right. as the years go. And you also yeah. want to inflate those back numbers because this way if you've got to get out, sure. You know, there is a me- mechanism to get out, even though you will pay for it. Um, but I think I think the important thing to remember from the Giants' perspective, okay, they've put their cards on the table. They have time and time and time again told you how much they admire Daniel Jones and how much they want him here. They've said the same thing about Saquon Barkley, and both players, even Barkley more so than Jones, have expressed a desire to be here and to be part of this. And that in itself is an important step because ultimately remember this folks the agents work for the player ultimately if a player wants to be part of the solution if he wants to be part of the future of what it is that your team is going to try to do he's got the ability to tell that agent listen I know you're trying to do the best you can I know you're trying to get certain numbers here but here's the bottom line I don't want to blow this thing I want to wind up here. At the end of the day, you better make sure that I am here and we don't get the door slammed in our face to where we've got to go somewhere else. So don't blow the deal. So ultimately, if the player really does want to be part of the solution in his current organization, he will tell the agent, hey, enough is enough. Cut with the pushback. The deal is a good deal. It's an acceptable deal. I'll be happiest... If I resign here and that's why you need to know if the player is sincere about wanting to be part of your solution as opposed to just grabbing whatever number his agent can get him. If he's simply after the money, then that conversation takes on an entirely different picture. But if he wants to be part of your solution, it's a hell of a lot easier to get that deal done.
2: Yeah, well, you hope that then both sides, once again, can meet halfway, right? The player understands what the team is working with, and the team understands that, yes, the player wants to return, but also at the same time wants to be able to capitalize on becoming a free agent. I think there's a way for both
4: to be achieved simultaneously. 100%. And that's what most people don't understand, because you you hear the the, the stuff from the agents The numbers reported by the agents. Agents are always bragging about how they got a record-breaking contract. They set the bar for a certain position. That's all they're talking about. Uh, The the writers always writing those numbers, which just adds fuel to that, that braggadocio kind of environment and atmosphere. Here's the bottom line, folks. Okay, A deal doesn't have to be a great deal for a player or a great deal for a team. The best deals are deals that are mutually beneficial. Deals that help the player get something really good, but also help the team because they need to be really good. And if the team is really good, it benefits the player. So the mutually better deals, all right, are the best deals. Because if the player gets something good and the team turns out to be really good, It also helps the player. That's the bottom line. Okay? That's the bottom line. That's why guys like Tom Brady took less. Because he understood, you know, you do what you do because the team gets better. And when the team's better, it's better for the player. Those are the best deals. Those are the most creative deals. I get it. To some people that's living in a fantasy land. But the reality is those are the best deals. And those are the deals that you want to try to cultivate because everybody wins.
2: The only thing I would say about Brady and the reason why I don't love him as an example is the way they structured his contract was he got a lot of incentives, which allowed him to make the money back. That if you want to look at it, he may have sacrificed or surrendered on the front end. And there's ways to structure it that way. Yeah, you could do that. So, you know, every quarterback's different. And also Brady, at his point in his career, compared to where Daniel Jones is, we're talking about very
4: opposite ends of the spectrum. I'll give you, a, I know, but it's just an example no, of no, a guy. So, I just wanted to clarify. Of a guy who understood yeah. that's sure. what, that what's better for the team can also be better for him personally. And that's the important part to remember here. You know, you talk about incentive clauses. George Young had a policy years ago about incentive clauses he would put incentive clauses that said, not only do you have to appear in certain number of games or make it to the off-season workout program or have certain statistical achievements, he would also say, wait a minute, your statistical achievements are also going to be tied to the team's success because George wanted to make sure that the player wasn't just looking out for himself and being selfish. Sure. He wanted to make sure that the player was all in for the team. So he would say, all right, let's say... Uh, 800 yards receiving is going to get you X number of dollars of a bonus, okay? No, we're not going to do it that way. It's going to be if you get 800 yards receiving and the team wins a minimum of eight games. If those two things happen, now you get your $800 bonus because George was all about the team. I want to foster a team philosophy, a team concept, a team unity because you want everybody pushing in the same direction. If you have too many incentives that are individualized for a player, well, now you get players, how many times have you seen this? Guys say, well, I fell five carries short of my incentive. This team should give me the money. Because, <laughs> well, sometimes the team does do that. Uh, and they have. Yeah. And they have. But you will get guys, and then sometimes during the season, you'll get guys gripe. Oh, I'm not, I'm not getting the ball enough. I'm not playing enough snaps. Why is he griping? Oh, because those were incentives in his individual deals. Okay? You don't want that crap. That doesn't help anybody. So George would tie the incentives not only to the individual's success, but he would also say, if you do this and we win eight games, or if you do this and we make the playoffs, this is what we're going to give you. And he would sweeten it.
2: No, it, it makes sense. I mean, I'll be honest. If I'm an agent or I'm a player, I'm not agreeing to that.
4: Because, oh, boo-hoo. No, well, but
2: how could you blame a player for not wanting to agree to something where it has the win total for the team connected to your incentive? Boo-hoo. I'm just saying. You, you'd you be hard-pressed to find examples you'll, of that, you'll, Paul, be, you'll in be, today's NFL. Well, t- because today it's all about greed. Well, but uh, how could you it? wasn't play? that way years ago. Yeah, but the game has dramatically changed. I also, know it has. But, Paul, there's also a lot of more money that has been infused into the I league. understand that. is now being infused in the league.
4: You know, Saquon Barkley told everybody when he came into this league with the Giants that he was so well off with the endorsement deals that he got upon being drafted here that he was going to live off the endorsement money, put his Giants contract in the bank, sure, and he wasn't even going to touch a dime of his Giants contract. He was just strictly going to live off his endorsements. What does that tell you about the success of this franchise and how much that will pay you back as an individual player if you are part of the solution here. That's all you need to know. Well, it also
2: goes to show you that Saquon is in a different position than most
4: players
2: who don't necessarily have that luxury because they don't have the endorsements. But
4: him and Daniel Jones are the two guys we're talking about right now. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I would maintain to you that both guys are going to do very well off the field now that the Giants have become a playoff team, and if you believe that they are part of the solution and this team going upwards, they will have many of opportunities to consider and and, and enhance whatever numbers it is that they sign with the Giants. I mean, come on, man. There's going to be a lot of chicken feet out there on the other side of the table. Well, to your point, I think Saquon's
2: in a very good position from an endorsement standpoint, especially when you take into consideration the market, too, that he plays in. Now, does Daniel feel the same way? Perhaps. I mean, I think it's interesting you brought up endorsements because I think in today's day and age in the National Football League, couldn't you argue that with the way the league has become really a national product, right, with Direct TV, right, you could live in Idaho, okay? You could root for any team okay. that I don't
4: know if the market holds as much weight, I well, guess, is what I'm getting I, at. I, I, and, and I, that's a fair point to bring up, and every agent will bring that up. But let me ask you something. And I know he's been hurt some, but Odell Beckham Jr. since he left the Giants is not nearly in as many commercials or in as many print ads as he was when he was in New York. Uh,
2: how often has Odell been on the field
4: too? And, right? Yeah, I mean, but those those things are role. signed it like a year or two earlier though. And, I mean, I don't know what the length and of a lot of a lot of his are, yeah. a lot of his endorsements. And a lot of his Q factor. Remember, when he was with the Giants, he went overseas and people were flocking to him oh, like he yeah. was Muhammad Ali. But that was
2: the height of his career. That was when he made the one-handed okay. grab. We're talking about okay. but thinking my, about the context. My point
4: is, if, if you're, even if you're a superstar, there is certain cachet. Remember, the Giants weren't even winning a whole lot in those days. They did go to one playoff with him, but they weren't winning a whole lot. Okay, He left here, went to Cleveland. That was like being thrown into Lake Erie. Well, he
2: was also, once again, barely on the field okay, at Cleveland. But it was like point. being thrown yeah.
4: into Lake Erie as far as his marketing ability and cachet. Then he goes to the Rams. Yeah, he got a Super Bowl ring. Yeah, he was banged up. But outside of his Twitter account and his Instagram account, what? how many kids do you see around uh, with the blonde hair going going now? You don't. You don't. It's like you go into purgatory. You, there, is, there is nothing... Like being in this New York spotlight for outside opportunities, especially when you win. And superstar players need to be more cognizant of that when they are trying to equate values of contracts and values of going where.
2: Well, and that's why you speak to your agent and you see what else you have on your plate. But once again, the reason why I'm not very fond of Odell Beckham as an example is because, I mean, the guy didn't play at all this past season, Paul. How has he got marketability if he's not even on he's the been, field? Yeah,
4: but he's been away from the Giants for, what, five years now? Sure, but what's happened since he's been away from the Giants? He's barely played. Is okay, like... but but those deals dried up immediately. As and soon they as, dried up as, because he wasn't on the field. No, but as soon point. as he left the Giants, he was not a magnet for deals anymore. and that was. Even before he stepped on the field with Cleveland in his first game. Well,
2: but once again, you go back to Odell playing with the Giants versus right, I, Odell I, well, with uh, the Browns. Fine. That's all I'm I, saying. I,
4: I mean, the guy it's, it's a philosophical concept, more than it is. I, just, I a think numbers that's a big game. difference. But but the other thing to keep in mind here, all right, and it and it's important that we do remember this part of it, okay? Ultimately, we like to believe that players get into this game to win. Well. The Giants are a team right now that's that's trending upward. All right, they're 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 with the high tide right now. Does it really make a lot of sense to jump off of the ship now, while after you've been through some losing seasons, to to leave this ship now while it's on its way up? Well, especially from Barkley and DJ's perspective, they've
2: seen the struggles firsthand. So now, yes, you want to be able to reap the rewards. Okay, absolutely. The
4: competitive nature of every athlete has to also kick in here. And they both know that under Dable and Kafka, they were able to do some pretty cool things. And there should be a whole lot more left on the table for them to do with these two guys running the show. Oh, I'm sure that's part of the
2: conversation. But once again, if another team hypothetically offers a lot of money in another winning environment, you know, then you have something to think about from well, at least the players' perspective. Remember
4: this. All superstars have multiple agents. And usually there's one guy in charge of the player negotiations with your team. There's a marketing agent who's in charge of all the other outside stuff. So what do you think the player agent's going to say to me when I tell his player that you could make a whole lot of money off the field and it's going to make it rewarding for you to stay in New York? The player's agent's gonna say, but that doesn't help me because my three percent only comes out of the player's contract. Oh, of course. And yeah. all that other huge, huge vaults of money that he could get from Pepsi and 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 well, let me have another giant a Verizon, another giant sponsor. All those huge vaults of money from those other giant sponsors, guess what? The player, the player's agent who gets three percent of the player's contract, he's saying to the player, No, 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 no we got to get as much as you can. Why? Because he wants his 3% from his cut. He doesn't care about the Verizon money or the Pepsi money. Well, that's why the player makes a decision at the end of the day. That's though. why the player has to say to his people, hey, get this done. I don't need to hear about the other stuff. Get this done because this is where I want to be. Ultimately, that's what has to happen. Yeah. Well, also, that's why the endorsements that
2: we were talking about plays a role because – If you're a player and you think, if you take less salary, where else can I make up? for that void, you can make up for it in endorsements. So if you already have a group of attractive endorsements laid out, it maybe changes your mindset in terms of the negotiations. Meaning, if you're off by four or five million, it may not be the end of the world because you'll make it up with endorsements. But that's in the eye of the individual beholder, depending on their scenario with respect to endorsements. Not every player is in that same position. No, Because no, very few true. players have endorsements, too, that's that true. are lucrative enough to make up for contract losses. Mm-hmm. Beckham, by the way, seven games in 2020, six in 2021, eight in 2021. That's the last three seasons. So right. if you add up all of his games over the last three seasons, he's barely matched one season in total. That was my main point, that he's just barely no, sniffed I, I the don't, field.
4: I don't disagree with the fact that he's had injuries and it's hurt his ability to perform out there. But from the moment he left the Giants, he became less marketable. Well, but also... Being drowned in Lake Erie, and I mean that from a figuratively... Uh, you know, perspective from a marketability perspective. When he went, when he got drowned into the Lake Erie, that that did an awful lot to damage his brand. Well, exposure-wise,
2: absolutely. But I think what really solidified his issues was just the old story about you can't make the team in the tub, right? Well, mm-hmm. you're not going to get many commercials if you don't stay no on doubt. the field because no doubt. If I run a company. And you're not on the field every single day? How does that help my brand? So I think that's where it really came back to bite Beckham from the standpoint of endorsements and and complimentary pieces to his contract. All right, a few reminders before we... Open up the phone lines here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Make sure you go subscribe to the Giants Subtle Podcast. It features a rapid reaction right after each game with one of our four analysts, an episode midweek featuring an interview with a national analyst, and then a game preview featuring a long-form interview. Giants fans, take your fandom to the next level with a season-ticket membership. Stay connected to the club all year round, not just on game days. Memberships are now available for the 2023 season. To learn more about all the exclusive member benefits, you can visit Giants.com slash tickets. Limited inventory is available. And also the Giants official connected TV streaming app is Giants TV. It brings you original video content and game highlights on demand and direct to big blue fans. Giants TV, it's free. It's on Apple TV, Roku, Amazon Fire TV, as well as the Giants mobile app. All right, let's open up the lines here. 201-939-4513. Cliff is in New York, joins us here on BBKL. What's happening, Cliff?
1: Hey guys, thanks so much, Paul. You were you were terrific, man. I mean, uh, my head's been exploding the same way. I think, uh, and and you know a lot more about this than than I can dream of. But uh, I, I've been a, I haven't, I have felt trivialized, you know, b- being referred to as looking for a hometown discount. I'm I'm talking about all the stuff you just laid out. I mean, if uh, th- this is a project uh, under the direction of the ownership, very clear to not only rise to contention but stay there for an extended period mm-hmm. and and I would think <laughs> I would think and doing that in New York are you kidding me I mean uh, did Michael Strahan w- would he be where he is if he was just an all-star player and not not a Super Bowl champion yeah. and 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 a contender for an extended period I know whatever he's done in in the media since his first gig is 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 because of what he's been able to do himself but to get started I mean I mean, you know, he had ample opportunity to show people who he was. And, and uh, oh, man. Well, I, look at I, how I, many
4: Giants, go back to Parcells' teams or Coughlin's teams, if you like, and look at how many Giants are constantly either getting broadcasting or marketing opportunities because they were on a team that had sustained success and won a championship. I mean, with, with all due respect, some of those guys – Probably would not have been seen or heard from again had they been on other teams in other situations
1: i I don't think there's any question about it i mean it's, i'm i'm surprised that we even have to mention that it pays to win in new york i i thought that was common knowledge uh uh but uh i i mean uh he he's got a if if he uh, i i hope he's got as much gumption as i'm thinking about daniel now. Uh, you know, is he 25 years old now? 26? I mean, uh, at that age I'd have been looking for help from my father and my uncle, you know I mean.
2: <laughs> well, I, I don't understand the point in, in terms of him being that young well, and he's 25 well,
1: because, because Paul laid out because Paul laid out that you know you've got to tell the agent, you know, that you're still the boss and you appreciate sure. what he's doing. Well, but what, what player,
2: but Cliff, in fairness, what player do you know where the agent makes the decision and the player just comes back to them and says, okay, just tell me where to show up on day one. You're going to tell me players are not involved in their own future and their own negotiations? I have no clue some I was, have no
1: clue how good well, these guys are at these things. Some of these guys
4: are not as forceful as they well, need to be.
2: Per- perhaps they're not as forceful, but I find it hard to believe that the majority of the NFL players are naive where they don't take
4: in their own interest in their future. Okay. All right. That I find hard to believe. I'm going to I'm going to tell you something, and uh, give give me a second call. I'm going to try to make this quick. You're going to like this story though. Uh, Many a times in years past, I'm not going to identify people because it doesn't pay to, but I know firsthand from front office people who have told me, they would call in a free agent player, one of their own free agent players, into the office, and say, "Okay, listen, I want to make something clear to you. I don't know what your agent's telling you." I don't know if there's a lack of communication, a miscommunication, or something's getting lost in translation here, but this is what we've offered you because this is what we have available. This is what our plan is for the next several years, and this is where we see you fitting into the plan. You tell me right now, just look me in the eye and tell me right now, do you want to be part of this or not? If that is important to you and you want to be part of the solution and the plan that we have going forward, then I suggest you tell that to your agent because we need to get this deal done. If that's not the case and your your priority is to allow your agent to control the numbers and to, and to run away with a freight train, then just do me a favor. Tell him that that's what you want to do. And there's no point in us having another conversation because you're going to wind up somewhere else. Don't waste our time and we won't waste your time. I know that has happened many, many times over the course of the last how many years in the National Football League, because I've had front office people tell me firsthand they've had those conversations, and the agent always gets ticked off and makes a phone call and says, what are you talking to my guy without me for? Well, because you know what? In talking to your guy, we also found out that you weren't telling him exactly what our offer was. You were warping it for your own selfish purposes, and you weren't necessarily explaining the whole picture to him, and he wants to be here, and you were going to screw it
2: up. Sure. So what you're explaining is the conduit, who is the agent, not presenting the full picture. But that, that does do... happen. No, but that what I'm talking about is a player not being engaged in at least conversation and just taking a step back. That's well, what I was referring well, to. Because he's not there. If he's not there, he's not engaged.
4: If, That's if the he, problem. If, if no, but, the agent... but
2: well, but but Cliff, it depends on what the agreement is between the player and the agent. The it, more, more often than not, the agent is doing negotiating on
4: your behalf. That's why you have an agent. Okay, but is the is the agent really negotiating a 150% on your behalf, well, th- or is part of his negotiation
2: watching his own back. Well, well, that goes back to conversations you've had with your representatives and how up you've been. So
4: every Go situation ahead. is different. Sure. I'm simply explaining to you and the fans that there are scenarios out there where players don't want to get involved with the headache, and they tell the agent, you handle this, and just let me know when I need to say yes or no or get get it done. And yeah, they, don't get, it, they don't get involved yeah. in the give and take. There are a lot of players yeah. who don't. Well, once again, I mean, those are conversations. And that's dangerous.
2: Well, but once again, the whole point, I would say if you ask most players why they have an agent, or even in other industries, it's because what happens is your scenario that you were talking about where the player talks directly to management, some players don't want to hear the truth. Meaning, that is true, because too. Because things get personal. When you then look at a coach or you look at a front office member and they're telling you, we don't value you as much as you value yourself. But So you have the agent to sort of be the buffer between you and the front office.
4: The situation that I just described is usually when a organization has made up their mind that they want the guy. But they know they have certain restrictions that they got to fit him under. So they'll tell him. They'll let them know. They'll say, look, hey, we think you're great. We want you, and we want to fit you into this puzzle. This is how you're going to fit into the puzzle. It's not going to happen for an organization that isn't gung-ho for the player. So that conversation's only going to wind up being positive because they will only call a player into one of those meetings if they really want him back. There's a desire there. So it will be a positive conversation, and the player needs to hear that conversation and then needs to do something about it.
1: I'm just telling you. I'll be delighted. I'll be delighted if that kind of scenario that that you described takes place with Daniel because whatever comes out of that, either way, I'll be satisfied with.
2: All right, Cliff. Well, appreciate the phone call. Thanks for uh, giving us a ring. I'm,
4: I'm just trying to give the people some behind the scenes to how the business works sometimes. This is stuff that I'm telling you I have heard firsthand from executives in this league that has happened many times over the years. I'm not going to tell you it happens every time because it does not happen every time. But there are instances where that does happen. And I'm sorry, Lance, but not every agent has the player's interest. Well, and I'm not campaigning for that, I, and nor am
2: I saying that. No, I, I'm not, I'm just saying that it's not unusual for a player to have conversations with his representative and the representative do the bulk of the negotiations that's why no you doubt. hire that no, individual no, doubt. no you're doubt. not going to go to every meeting there's going to be times where he then calls you up that's after true. the meeting hey this is what we talked about this is how far well, that's apart that's why you hired a guy yeah right? but th- because he's got to
4: get the legalese 100
2: but the player is still engaged what i mean is he's still interested in how the negotiations are going he's just not at the not, meeting not
4: not all players are as engaged as you think they are that's all i'm saying well and once again I'm and they not taking need a poll. They sure. need to be. I would say everybody in life should be engaged. I, if you
2: ever I, have a representative on your behalf, you
4: should be. engaged. You should be. Okay, but Period. we're not. We're not. We're not talking about rocket science here. Unfortunately, as George Young always used to say, it's not rocket science. It's not. Okay. There are a lot of players who will hire an agent, and you hear about it all the time. They wind up in bankruptcy, or they wind up the agent fleece them. Why? Because they weren't on top of things. 100%. Players, I advise this to every player, and there's not a player probably listening to BBKL right now. I would advise every single player out there in the National Football League be more engaged in what's going on with your negotiations. Not necessarily the legalese, but the philosophical concept that is being discussed between how you fit into that team's plans when they're trying to negotiate with you. That is incredibly important, and if you're not doing that, you are not doing yourself any favors. In fact, it's a disservice to you as a player if you just let the agent handle everything until the very end and wash your hands of everything. That is a disservice to yourself.
2: The other thing to keep in mind, remember, when the season ends, teams, front office members, they have exit meetings with all the players. Yes. And that happens with every sport. So, keep in mind, there was at least a foundation that was established, right, when you meet with Daniel Jones, when you meet with Saquon Barkley. No doubt. Hey, this is how we look at the offseason. This is where Mm -hmm. we see you in our plans. I understand some time has passed since then, but... There has been some communication directly, is my point, before the agents and the negotiations really heat up between the physical team and the physical player. That always happens once the season ends. So, you know, that to me, I think, is encouraging to at least start the conversations off on at least a productive
0: path. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on Select Battery Tool Sets. Real Steel. Offer valid on Select AK System sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.
2: Moving forward, at least with respect to the offseason. Let's head back to the phone lines. We check in with Mike in Queens joining us here on BBKL. What's happening, Mike?
5: How are you guys doing?
2: Hi. Doing all right, Mike. What's on your mind?
5: Oh, no, I just want to talk about the um, Daniel Jones situation.
2: Um, I don't,
5: like you guys, I was listening, and you know, it could be rumors about the big contract and stuff like that. But my thing is, I feel like uh, before the spin, when uh, Dave's and Joe didn't pick up his fifth-year option, they had a plan in place for just in case if it didn't work out. That's why they got Tyrod Taylor. So my my belief is if he wants that big contract, we should let him walk. Don't tag him. We can use the tag on Barkley. Okay. We can use the tag on Barkley because we don't have that much money. So if we use the tag on Barkley and let Danny walk, if he doesn't want to have a good contract, you know, team friendly, we can get somebody in the draft or Tyrod Taylor can throw 15 touchdowns, in 17 games. I don't believe Danny did anything special. Also, we don't have the weaponry to, to pick somebody up to give him that number one. And we don't know if we're going to get somebody in the draft. So if he could get somebody in the draft and he could give a team-friendly deal and we could see how Danny progresses, that'd be well, great. First of all, Mike,
2: when, when you say team-friendly deal, what do you mean by that? Just out of curiosity, because the previous caller was referring to hometown discount. I'm just, from a financial standpoint, what's a team-friendly deal? I'm just curious what you mean by that.
5: Oh no! I'm not talking about a discount. I'm just talking about whatever works out and in, and in, um, for the team where they can sign him and also still have money to bring. Well, I mean, in and and I think that that's out.
2: the ultimate goal when you negotiate with any player because I mean it's possible they could work out a deal with Daniel Jones where he gets an average annual salary which puts him in the ballpark of some of the highest paid quarterbacks because remember everybody continues to get paid I continue to say that it's about timing and it still works out okay for the team because of the way that Paul was talking about earlier the way you structure it where Mm -hmm. maybe the cap numbers on the back end are a little bit higher than they are earlier in the end so I mean it is very possible you pay him but you also keep flexibility to get other things done both can be achieved
4: you know I, I remember when Ahmad Bradshaw and Brandon Jacobs were both with the Giants and contracts were coming due. Brandon Jacobs, and I don't think he would mind me saying this because he had said it to me many times, and I think he even told other people. He went into Jerry Reese, and he told Jerry, I will take less money if it means that Bradshaw can stay here because he's my brother. He belongs in this running back's room. Together, we're having a blast. We know we can help this team win. Um, I will be willing to take a smaller number, as long as it goes to him and it makes sure that we both stay here together. And that's what happened. Brandon Jacobs took a lower number, and they were able to keep Bradshaw. Okay? That's the kind of scenario I'm talking about. I mean, to be frank with you, without without trying to be a wise guy, I mean, if I sat down and said, Saquon, um, how are you going to be if we don't have Daniel Jones and we have to play Tyrod Taylor or another quarterback? He's got to think about that. If you're Daniel Jones, Daniel, there's a chance we may not be able to bring Saquon Barkley back, and we're either going to have to use one of the guys we have, or we're going to have to go and find somebody. You better you better think about what your future is going to be like if your number is so exorbitant that they can't get you the complementary pieces that you need, whether it be a, a receiver help or the other superstar that's already in the backfield, or for that matter... Any other player that could help the overall roster. You better think about what that's going to be like if we were to give in to whatever it is that you want and then can't do the other stuff. You better think about that.
5: Yeah, and I had one more question. Sure. Um, I remember uh, that one time, I don't know the exact number, but I know it was a big number that we had the last year. Jerry Reese was here, and we spent all that money, I
2: think it was two thousand 2016, you're talking about the free agency class? Yes. Yeah. Okay. How
5: how how did we get that big number for money in free agency, how come we can't get that big number again? Because I feel like every year we don't have any money. All and
2: right, I'll Mike. Take that off appreciate the phone call. Well, you're referring to the summer where they went Jenkins after. Jenkins,
4: Snacks, and Vernon. Correct.
2: Exactly. And keep in mind, salary cap space in the NFL can carry over. I, I think that right. is maybe not emphasized enough. So, for example if the cap is, I'm just throwing out hypothetical numbers, if the cap is $224 million this year, and you as a team, you spend 200 of it, that means $24 million is going over to 2024 on top of whatever the cap number is for 2024. So that's how teams operate differently than other teams that are borderline. That's how you get a scenario where you have a Jacksonville Jaguars team that has a lot of spending money because Mm -hmm. they've carried over cap space. So, I mean, I'd have to go back and look at, I don't remember every single detail about the 2016 offseason or you know what they were carrying over, who was a free agent. But to answer your question from a broad standpoint, that's why you get teams that some summers have a lot of flexibility and a lot of spending power is because they may have carried over money one or two years because... They didn't have any current free agents or they didn't make big splashes in previous summers. That's where you get into a bit of an uneven playing field.
4: They have the most money by percentage under the cap this year than they've had since that season. That we can tell you.
2: Which also says an awful lot about what the 2016 offseason did to put the team in a precarious spot. Yes,
4: and then, of course, what happened? After they paid a tremendous amount of money for those three defensive players... Uh, the fall was pretty quick after that. There was not sustained success yep. because they went too high in retrospect on three players to try to make a splash. And they made the playoffs that one year. That was great. But what what happened after? Yeah, you weren't able to reap the
2: rewards after that. And you know, I think the ultimate goal is you want to have some consistency moving forward.
4: Yeah, no question. And look, the, the other thing you have to keep in mind here, and I know that that people don't do this, but NFL franchises do. When they plan what they're doing in free agency and with their salary cap, they do it in three-year increments, okay? Three-year increments. They're talking about already not what's happening just now in 23. The Giants are already talking about what their 24 and 25 potential cap situations will be. And in a general sense, they kind of have an idea with a, a ball of clay how they're trying to mold that. It's, three year, it's a three-year salary cap plan. That's the way teams operate. Okay? That's important to think about. And that's part of the reason why the Giants were in trouble in recent times. Because, remember, the pandemic did a lot to ruin the cap. Because teams that going into the pandemic had a three-year plan. And they were banking on it. Right. Yeah. And then the pandemic came, and all of a sudden, the three-year plan that you had built everything on with your roster, you had to throw it all away. You had a now, right now, no three-year plan anymore. It's like, oh, crap. The pandemic hit. The number went down. It wasn't what it was supposed to be. Guess what? All the plans that we've made the last few years for this particular season are now in the toilet because the pandemic changed the number. That's a problem. The Giants were heavily victimized by that.
2: Yeah, that was a huge curveball. You can't blame any teams. How did they know that a pandemic was going to come down the road? No, but that's also what you were just talking about relates to my point about one of the previous callers saying a team-friendly deal. That's why when you negotiate with a Barkley or a Daniel Jones and you're talking about a multi-year contract, there's a way that you could spread it out and it can be cap-friendly for you maybe down the road so that he gets the number he wants, but you also maintain flexibility. That's why they have a cap specialist on staff. Right. Every team has somebody that specializes in how to handle the cap and how to anticipate what's going to happen in years coming. You consult with those individuals, and you go through these scenarios. Mm -hmm. This is not necessarily anything that's a rude awakening for not just the Giants, for the 31 other teams in the NFL. Jamal is in Dallas joining us here on BBKL. What's happening, Jamal?
6: Hello, how y'all doing, fellas? Thank you Hi. For call.
2: You're right. What do you got for so, us?
6: So, so I had a few points, and I appreciate the conversation y'all having regarding, um, marketing and all that. So I'm in Dallas, and, you know, there's certain cities, um, uh, Carnival what Paul was saying that can highlight your career either when you're, either while you're a current player or even after. You know, the big deal, you know, I'm a diehard giant, but the big deal in Dallas is how they try to recruit or get players to stay or remain is because, you know, the opportunities after your retirement, or after you wore that star on your helmet, right? Right. So for some players so some players are willing to do that because they see the opportunities beyond football. But um I know a lot of people, social media and people talk about team friendly deals for Saquon and Daniel Jones and, and I appreciate what you're saying, Lance, about, you know, I'm about I'm about the player cashing in to a to a degree, right? Like many of us are employees to a company, you know, we want to maximize how much we can earn and make you know what I mean, for the best of our ability. Because what teams do, you know, teams will get rid of you left and right, you, you know what I'm saying? So I think Howard said on one of your shows before that, hey, sometimes when a player can cash in, sometimes you got to cash in. Yeah. Now, to your Jones' situation, is he is speculating that it's being put out there about the number? We don't know. But is he worth that? But I like what you said, Lance. We don't even know whether he's worth it or not. Even if he's worth it, he still won't be the top two quarterback getting paid that because the market's going to reset next year. So he's going to be in a different range next year regardless how much he gets. So I'm always about, you know, I wanted to be you know, friendly to the team where everybody could benefit for the player as well as the team. But I don't like team players getting less than because a team don't value them, but they want to use them for the skill set that they have. You know what I mean? So I'm about the player trying to maximize as much as they can get. I if it can help other team, that's great. But if it can't, hey, sometimes you got to do you, because you got to understand the new generation of college players coming in. They're used to these NIL deals coming in, so sure. Well, oh, and, and they're also oh, be ready. Well, and oh, they're be also players. They could be friendly. These well, best, they're also vying.
2: Here's the other thing. They're also vying, Jamal, to take positions away from established veterans in the NFL. So that's more of a reason why if you're an NFL veteran, you can't blame them for wanting to cash in because they're not guaranteed okay. another contract. That's the other mindset.
6: Exactly. Exactly. That's all I have, man. I appreciate the conversation. I know it's not real football talk, but it's about the negotiations and, you know, the logistics of how things work out and how players stay on the team. So
2: Sure. And appreciate the phone call, Jamal. Thanks for giving us a ring. Different mindset for different players. I mean, I think that's the lesson learned. Everyone's not coming through the same lanes No doubt, when it comes to the negotiating table. And that, to me, is a no-brainer because, you know, once again, you can't fault a player for thinking one way because their scenario, their family situation, their upbringing, a lot different than another player too. So that's going to influence it. But just to piggyback off of the last caller's point, and this is why I continue to emphasize and I laugh and I chuckle when – Well, the quarterback's not worth this amount of money, so he doesn't deserve it. If you look at average annual salary, that's all I could go by. Aaron Rodgers is the highest paid quarterback based on that. Then comes Russell Wilson. Number three is Kyler Murray. Now, if we were to have a conversation about the best quarterbacks in the NFL, is Kyler Murray the third best quarterback in the National Football League? Okay, we'll take your response based on your chuckle. That's my point. My point is stop looking at quarterback finances and assuming that everyone in the NFL gets paid based on how 32 teams come together and rank them based on skill set. It's timing, it's when you're due to get paid, and you have every right to maximize. That's how the NFL market works. Because it wasn't too long ago we were having a conversation about Dak Prescott. And Dak Prescott now average annual salary just goes to show you how $40 million a year is now a bargain in the NFL. 40 million a year a bargain. When Aaron Rodgers is making 50 and Russell Wilson's making 49. So whatever, if they are fortunate enough to get a long-term deal done with Daniel Jones,
4: five years from now, we're going to be talking about that was a bargain because of how the market drastically changes. It's so fluid. See, now, that's one of the reasons why, and I, I, I've been talking about this for a long time. John and I debate it all the time. I firmly believe the Giants can get, should be able to say to Daniel, philosophically speaking, we'll give you a three-year deal with a fourth-year player option, and I'm not going to negotiate for the team, okay? But philosophically speaking, you give the player a shorter deal. In Daniel Jones' case, okay, if you give him a deal like that, it allows him the opportunity, if he performs well, which he must believe that he's got confidence in himself, he will have the opportunity to cash in on a huge third contract before he's 30 years old while he's still in his prime. So one of my givebacks would be, okay, you're going to take a little bit less money, but here's what we're going to do for you. We're going to give you that fourth-year player option so that if you believe the market is reset and that you want to cash in and get a bigger number, guess what? The cap is going to be higher that at that point anyway. So maybe it'll work out for both of us. So here's the thing. We'll give you, forget a four- or five-year deal. We'll make it a three-year deal with a fourth-year player option that's going to give you the power before you're 30 years old to get out, and this way you can now go ahead and maximize yourself on a third contract while you're in your prime. But to do that, you gotta help us out a little bit right now by making the number a little bit better for us. That's how it works for both. That's how it's mutually beneficial. You help the team with the number a little bit, and they help you by giving you the freedom a little bit earlier so that you can go ahead and hit the the bank. That's what I'm talking about, folks. It could be good for both parties.
2: You could also put in a clause we've seen, too, where the team is not allowed to franchise tag the player. That's That's another another way to do it. Scenario. That's another way to do it. Absolutely.
4: There are ways to do this, folks, so that everybody wins, so that it's mutually beneficial. But the players got to want it to be that way. Let's I don't head- know if Daniel does or doesn't. Don't let me speak for him. Well, he hasn't said anything
2: publicly. So, I mean, even if we were reading into it, it would be a huge interpretation. I don't really think there's anything there substance-wise to go by. Let's uh, head back to the phone lines. Coach Marvin is in Delaware joining us here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. What's happening, Coach Marvin?
7: Hey, how you doing, Lance and Paul?
2: Hi. Doing all right. What do you got for us?
7: Hey, hey. Well, I know we only got a short time. I am just listening to what everybody is saying. It's going to come down to three people. Debo the general manager and ownership. All the rest of us are giving opinions. That's going to determine what he's worth. Uh, in a way, I like the, the contract that um, Paul's talking about, and that's what I was thinking three years, four years, maybe $32 million. Um, I don't know giving him $40 million with 15 touchdowns. He's improved. I give him that. He played well, but it's been one year and I understand everything that comes with it, all the different coaches he's had, but to put him in the 40, 42. I, I don't know what I would do there, probably franchise tag him or something like that. But I know we don't know what he wants because these players, uh, in a way I have to I agree. I understand what you are saying, Paul, about free agency. I wouldn't use the term do us a favor. I would just give him my number. I wouldn't say, oh, you know, give us teams, give the team a break, and you know, you help us, we help you. I wouldn't say that, talk like that. I would actually just give them my number, and hope that's where we can come to some agreement near that number, uh, because these guys today, they in a way, they they are they're going to get what they want to get, and the and the NFLPA wants them to get as much as they can because it's the next generation. That's right. So it's very difficult, to, and that's why I wouldn't use the word discount because a discount, when you're talking $20 million, that's a discount it, to me.
2: In uh, today's for market get, for a quarterback, yeah. yes, $20 million is right. a huge discount oh, for a quarterback. The, the other way yes. to
4: manipulate this thing is how much you make in per- terms of the guarantee and how you balance it out. That's the other way to yeah. manipulate yeah. it. Yeah. Everybody immediately looks at the average salary per year and yeah. think that that's the way you want to rank the contract. I get it. It's easy right. to do it that way. But in truth, the value of contracts is a hell of a lot more complex than that, and that is the least effective way to rank a contract.
2: Well, it, let me just give you a quick example, and I'm glad you brought that up. Aaron Rodgers, $150 million in guaranteed money, but Deshaun Watson, who's fourth in average annual salary, is getting $230 million guaranteed. Right. So, yes, right. the logistics are very different depending on the category, mm-hmm. to your point, that you look at. All right, Coach. Yeah, I, yeah. and I—, I I, I agree with what
7: Paul says, it's the way it's written up sometimes. There's different ways to get around it, and these guys know how to do it. A lot of us don't know because we don't know the details. So there's different ways, signing bonuses. There's different ways to get around these dollar figures. And the incentives are all cut in there. You there's all.
5: Sure, you give a can, guy a lot of money up it.
2: front, and that becomes a little bit more appealing because he doesn't have to worry about right. grabbing that on the back end. There's a variety of different things, absolutely, that you could do, Coach. And we got to let you go because we're up against the clock here. And appreciate the phone call from that standpoint. But I mean, that's why. It depends on, to your point, Paul, what is the player prioritizing? Does he want to be known as the highest average annual salary quarterback? Does he want to have the most guaranteed money? You know, that's, once again, the eye of the beholder, what he and his agent are thinking about
4: prioritizing within the conversation. Depends. Mm-hmm. No, Everybody's yep. different. Everybody approaches free agency in their own way, and they have a right to do that. Okay, let me make that very clear. Every player and every team has a right to deal with these things as they see fit themselves. I'm not telling anybody that they're right or wrong. I'm simply saying that there is a way for both the team and the player to mutually benefit from a new deal. Well, listen, Josh Allen...
2: Aaron Rodgers, Dak Prescott, Kirk Cousins. Think about all these guys that got contracts. And last time I checked, these teams and these quarterbacks have made the playoffs. So they're doing something right from a negotiating standpoint and from a management standpoint. It can easily be done. All right. That is going to wrap things up for us here on Wednesday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. A reminder that today's episode, part of the Giants platforms everywhere and Giants.com slash podcast. We're back on tomorrow, 1230 PM Eastern for Paul Dottino. I'm Lance Meadow. Stay locked to Giants.com for all the latest. And we will speak to you on Thursday right here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Have a good one.
0: At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody.